everyone, welcome back to Who's There, a podcast where I talk to a new horror fan every week where I hope to destigmatize what it means to be a horror movie fan. This week, I got to chat with a friend of mine who is the writer responsible for the War With No Name book series, Robert Rapino. In this episode, we talk about how he first started watching horror movies at a very young age, how his love of horror movies has influenced his sci-fi and fantasy novels, exactly how long the Puka theme song has been stuck in his brain, a Swedish movie that has stuck with him, what scared him as a kid and what scares him now, and his appreciation of Ari Aster and horror movies that are more than just slashers. I also mentioned the movie 127 Hours, but I mistakenly called it 27 Hours, so apologies for that. I think that's it, so let's get into this week's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Who's There? I'm really excited you're here because I have my friend and sci-fi novelist, Rob Rapino. Hi Rob, thanks for being here. Uh, thanks for having me. To start, why don't you give us a little background on yourself? So uh, I am from uh, Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania. I live in New York now. Uh, my day job is as a uh, editor for a scholarly publisher, but uh, on the side, I, I write and I teach a little bit of writing as well. Uh, my books include the War With No Name series, which is a science fiction fantasy series. Uh, it's about a war between animals, sentient animals and humans. Uh, so if you imagine your pets rising up and killing people, that's what this book is about. Uh, but there is a love story in it, too. It's a cat looking for his uh, dog girlfriend in the midst of all this chaos. So might be for you. And then I also am the author of a, um, a middle grade series. Uh, the first book came out earlier this year. It's called Spark in the League of Ursus. And it's about we're saying that it's Toy Story meets Stranger Things. So it's uh, it's teddy bears that protect children from monsters. That's so, awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's what my work is about. Uh, but yeah, I'm just a guy trying to get by in New York in this weird time. So uh, that's, that's my main thing at the moment. Awesome. So the first question I always ask everyone is what's your favorite scary movie? Yeah, I think it's uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, I love that one. Have you seen that one? I have not actually. And that is so funny that you say that because I did another interview earlier today and she also said The Thing. So mm. I, I, I want to meet this person. Yeah. Um, it, I, you know what? I have a theory about that and I actually want to write about it. Cause I, I do occasionally do like essays and stuff uh, once in a while, but I would love to just write about the thing being scary because it, it sort of like touches on all the pressure points of fear because it, it involves a monster that's just incomprehensible and really grotesque. And the way it kills people is just truly terrifying. It's unclear what the monster wants. Uh, and the characters are stuck in a situation where they can't trust each other and they can't run away because if they do, they're gonna freeze to death in the Antarctic winter. So it's just like every, it's like claustrophobia, paranoia, um, you know, fear of the unknown, all coming to get you at once. And it's just, it, it, it is so upsetting. And I love watching it with people who have never seen it before because the look on their face in certain scenes is like, really astonishing and it uses a lot of practical effects too um like gory goopy you know body horror and things like that it's it's fantastic awesome well i guess i have to watch it now because two people have recommended it to me in a day um or we could just do a movie night and we could watch it then i think yeah we need to do another one of those um i don't know we'll sit on opposite of the room with uh with our faces covered but we'll figure yeah out. with face masks so one very distinct memory I have of watching a horror movie with you is um, one with this theme. I hope you remember it. Do you remember, do you remember that day? I do remember it, it was a great day. I believe that was our Christmas horror movie marathon. Yes, uh, it was. Yes, and that was, the Puka episode of, what's the show? It's their series called Into the Dark. It was a full-length yeah. movie, though. Oh, right. It was a full-length movie, but part, yeah. of that, part of that series. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a fun day. Is it kind of a surreal, trippy horror movie yeah. where a person, yeah, thinks he might be going crazy. It was a good time. And yes, that song was stuck in my head. And now it's back in my head. Thanks a lot. Appreciate You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've heard, but they released a sequel, Puka Lives. I did hear that. I mean, is it a serious sequel or is it like uh, a joke? Uh, no, I think it's a serious sequel. Okay. That title just feels like it's a, 
parody almost, you know. I was just talking with somebody about the movie Gremlins 2 and how it's not really a sequel. It's sort of a parody of the first movie in some ways. Is it? Uh, I haven't seen it. I've only seen the first one. I mean, the first one I love, speaking of Christmas horror movies. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the second one, it, they just went in an odd, like, meta direction with it, where they, com- they really are commenting on the first one, which is unusual for a, for a uh, sequel, especially for a sequel to a horror movie. But I, don't, I, was, I was just curious if the Puka did that too. But. I haven't watched it yet. We'll have to do, uh, like, a double feature of The Thing and Puka Lives. I'm up for that. So... Last week, we talked uh, about what we were going to talk about today, and we thought it'd be a good idea to talk about the timeline of your horror fandom. So on that note, when you were a kid, what was the first horror movie or horror TV show that you remember seeing that scared the shit out of you? Um, well, I grew up on a block outside of Philadelphia where a lot of the kids were older. So... Um, they, I got to watch a bunch of movies that I wasn't supposed to watch because I was tagging along with them. So a lot of the movies that ended up freaking me out a little bit were the, you know, the, the crappy 80s slasher movies um, that I wasn't supposed to be watching. I mean, we were watching them both to be scared and because, like, you know, they had naked girls in it. You know, it's like <laughs> forbidden to be watching that. Um, that's the stuff that I, I was kind of sneaking in and, like, you know, sometimes – was freaking out, but also pretending I wasn't scared. Cause again, it was like older kids. He didn't want to be like the baby he was crying. So, um, uh, you know, I remember those, um, I was really, and this didn't really scare the crap out of me, but I used to really be into the classic universal, uh, monster movies from like the thirties and forties. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was Thanksgiving of 1986. I was eight years old. Please don't do any math here. And, um, so, but I was in, I was in second grade. It was Thanksgiving, and the local TV station in Philadelphia, Channel Seventeen, did a what they called a monster mash on Thanksgiving Day, where they played all of the classic, uh, you know, the Wolfman, Dracula, Frankenstein, all those. And my library at my school had a bunch of books all on each classic horror monster. So I got to do the research and watch the movies. I recorded them all. I told everybody, like I told my family, I was like, the TV is mine for the whole day. <laughs> and I am recording this stuff. I think they were happy to just have me away from the table. So, uh, so I have this amazing cassette tape with all of these horror movies on them. Uh, and you a know, scribbled tape in, or a VHS tape? A VHS cassette. Okay. I mean, that's, you know, uh, yeah, sorry, you're right. I should, I should clarify. It is a VHS <laughs> tape. Uh, I suppose you can call those cassettes as well. But anyway, they, uh, but yeah, it has all of those universal movies. I think the last one on it is the third Creature from the Black, Black Lagoon movie which I believe is called The Creature Walks Among Us. That movie's famous. I, I might be getting this wrong. I believe that movie is famous because it's the first movie with Clint Eastwood in it. There's some movie <laughs> trivia for you. Um, but yeah, that's, that, those are my early experiences with horror movies. If you want me to go further than that, I, I, I can say that growing up, I kind of drifted away from them. I remember getting very sick of the slasher genre, uh, which was easy to do in the late 80s, early 90s, mid 90s. Um, I remember specifically going to see Halloween H2O in 1998. And there's a scene in it where Michael Myers kills a woman as she's begging for her life. Like she's like, no, please, please don't. And he's just stabbing her over and over again. And I just remember thinking like, I don't want to watch these movies anymore. I'm just sick of these. They're like, it's not even like an issue of them being scary anymore. I just don't, I just don't need this anymore. Um, and within a few years, that's when, like, I think horror movies started to get a little more creative again. Um, that was, like, the tail end of the slasher era. And, of course, I think by the time Halloween H2O had come out, we were already dealing with the, we were already seeing the, uh, the Scream movies that were, you know, lambasting all that, that genre. Yeah. So I think in the, in the early 21st century is where you start to see the horror movies getting a little more creative. Yeah, uh, when... Away from that. What was the first, like, smarter horror movie that you remember seeing? Um, well, you know, I, let me just say, I stretch the definition of this a little bit. Um, but, I mean, and granted, I guess this is late 20th century, not early 21st. But, um, I mean, I, I remember thinking The Sixth Sense was like, I was like, wow, this is a movie where I care about the characters. And um, I, it's a genuinely fun horror movie but but really the the big moments in the movie aren't necessarily the ghosts it's it's like 
the resolution between the mother and the son and all that, like making the, making you actually care about the characters as opposed to so much of the garbage watching before that, so much of the garbage that came out before that was just like, okay, a bunch of obnoxious kids who kind of deserve to get killed are getting killed. Who cares? You know? Yeah. So I remember that being a big deal and really, you know, revisiting the movie Poldergeist over and over again throughout my life. I mean, that's a movie where that movie spends a lot of time, uh, getting to know the family and you really relate to them. So when the shit hits the fan, you're like, no, no ghosts, leave them alone, please. Like it's really upsetting to watch like the, the these people getting terror on. So yeah, but I, I would say the first of those like late 20th, early 21st century movies that I, where I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe, maybe horror movies are becoming like real films. You know, they feel <laughs> like it. I think that one was among the first Sixth Sense. Although I realized that M. Night Shyamalan's career has taken a bit of a hit lately, but but I think I think we we have to grudgingly accept that that was a decent film. Oh yeah, no, definitely yeah. was, and I think a lot of his stuff is accepted as horror movies, so I don't yeah. think you're stretching it too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so when you were a kid, what would you say were the things that scared you the most? Uh, I think um, you know, the, the basic things like the dark and um and being in places where I was unknown, you know, where, where I wasn't sure where I was, you know, like being disoriented like that could be really scary. Um, and I think, you know, monsters really weren't that scary. It was just more like situations, like being in a high place, you know, be, being like on the ledge of a building or being, um, there's actually a great Stephen King short story that was adapted uh, into a one of the vignettes in the movie Cat's Eye. You ever heard of Cat's Eye? No. Mm-mm. Cat's Eye came out in the mid '80s. It's it's a movie that's like three or four um, uh, Stephen King short stories adapted into little uh, movies. One of the stories is called The Ledge, and it has Robert Hayes from um, Airplane, so a comedic actor. But the the premise of it is that he has to. Um, he runs afoul of the mob and the mob makes him walk, basically issues this challenge of him, challenge to him where he has to walk on a ledge around a skyscraper and make it all the way around the whole building. Hmm. Uh, and that's the whole little like 20 minute vignette. It is terrifying. Um, like, so situations like that, I think, you know, where, where someone, someone's trapped, let's say, um, you know, I, I think those kinds of, those kinds of situations like would really, you know, get my heart pumping, I guess, you know. Did you see uh, The Lodge last year? No, I really want to though. I like the actress in it. Uh, is it it's Riley Keough, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, she's really good. And um, I, I, the trailers for it look great. I have not gotten to it yet. It's good. Um, I think it's on Hulu. Do you have Hulu? I do. Yeah. This, uh, this pandemic has broken me down where I think I'm now subscribing to every freaking uh, <laughs> streaming service. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it's good that we have all these streaming services because otherwise we'd be going nuts. That's true. Especially in the early days. Right. Um, okay, so that's, it, that's what scared you as a kid. Is it still the same as an adult or are there different things that scare you now? Are you still afraid of the dark? <laughs> I've gotten over the dark and I think that... Uh, you know, I, I feel like I've seen enough horror movies now where you kind of see some things coming. Um, there are some more like existential um, horror movies out there that, I mean, have really stuck with me. I mean, this isn't necessarily a horror movie, but I think it can be considered one. Um, it's a Swedish movie that came out about, let's say, a year and a half ago called Aniara, A-N-I-A-R-A. Have you heard of this one? I have not, no. So the premise is um, there's a ship that's maybe like the size of a, of like a cruise ship, a spaceship. Mm-hmm. It's a spaceship that's like the size of a cruise ship. It's on its way to Mars and it gets knocked off course. The people on board have to slowly come to accept that this is their life now. They can't, they can't turn back. They're just plummeting into the void for all eternity. And so they have to decide what to do with their lives from here on. And they have to decide, like, can they actually get along? Because some people interpret it as a sign from God. Some people try to take advantage of the situation. You know, a lot of the human, um, you know, tendencies toward evil and self-destruction play out. 
Um, but there are some scenes where the characters are just looking into the void, looking into space and realizing they're never going to come. Not only are they going to die here, but like they, they are forced to try to make some meaning out of this. And how can you? Uh, I, it really upset me. Like for days I was thinking about, I remember I was at like a yoga class and I wasn't even like concentrating because I was just thinking of like these people on this ship. Um, I highly recommend that one. I think it's, it's one of those movies that like, you know, I could t- talk to people about it and they're like, huh, yeah. But once you see it and that sticks with you and, and the closing shot of the film is just really harrowing. Um, it's, it's something else. Yeah. Awesome. What was the name of it again? So it's called Aniara, A-N-I-A-R-A, I, and I believe it's a Swedish movie. Okay. So I'm assuming it's subtitled? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That, so they're out on a boat, they're out on a cruise ship, and they realize that there is no getting, getting back to their real lives? Yeah, and I just should be clear, it's a spaceship that is like, but, I'm, but it's like a spaceship that's like this, almost the size of a city, basically. I shouldn't even say it's a cruise ship, but it's a gigantic ship which, you know, would keep you occupied for a while. It's not like they're in the Apollo capsule for, for all eternity. That would be even fair. But, uh, but yeah, they're just, they're hurtling into the, into the abyss. Um, you know, so it has a lot to do with, like, hope as well. Like, how long can you, you sustain hope? Uh, that's a terrifying question in a situation like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, well, if you like that, I would have to recommend a movie on Hulu called The Varium. It's V-I-V-A-R-I-U-M. I have heard of this. Yeah. But go ahead, tell me what it's about again. I've heard the title. It's about this couple that's looking to buy a house and they go into this real estate agent's office and he's like, oh, you have to come see this new development we're making. And they go with him and then he disappears and they can't find their way out. Okay. All right. All right. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, really there are funny parts it's a little bit disturbing so yeah it's good yeah yeah this this aniara definitely has some like violent and like not necessarily jump scares but definitely things you're like oh my god get out of there right now please you know okay Um, we'll look that up yeah definitely it's on yeah it's on hulu all right um do you have any no-gos as far as elements of horror movies that you won't watch like gore or invade home invasion well, I, I think I've, since that, that decision I made watching that relatively harmless uh, Halloween movie, like I, I can't see myself watching a slasher movie or anything like that, or like, you know, those hostile movies or whatever. Um, people being tortured and people, uh, you know, begging for their lives and getting hacked to death. I just don't need to watch that again. I'm sure there could be some kind of like meta commentary on it. I mean, obviously like Scream is you know, that's a different kind of thing. It's a satire of it in some ways. So I could probably revisit that kind of horror in that form, in that kind of meta form, but I don't see myself seeing, you know, watching a slasher movie. They're not getting my money. Um, I think I've seen a few minutes of a hostile movie and I was just like, yeah. Won't watch that. Yeah. And I've, I've seen a few minutes of the Rob Zombie remake of Halloween. Oh yeah. It's just so brutal. It's just like, I mean, I, in some ways you have to like, you know, admire his vision because he's definitely like, I'm creating a character that is just so evil and so, and just destroys everything in his path. And like, you can try to, you know, reason with it or try to draw some meaning from it, but there is no meaning. He's just coming to destroy you. And like, I, I can see the, the terror of that, but I just don't need to watch it. Like, I, I'll, I'll think about it and that's it, but I don't need to watch it. Yeah, you know. definitely. I've never seen a Rob Zombie remake of a movie because I just don't think it would be, I don't think it would be to my liking. It seems right. brutal. Uh, so that's what you don't like. What would you say is your favorite genre of horror movie right now? I, uh, I guess I'm still looking for something that is like, like the thing insofar it's, as it's, you know, humans grappling with uh, some kind of incomprehensible evil that's, that's coming their way. I think that's uh, very appropriate for our time. Uh, so much of the things that are going on right now are, um, are just, in, we don't even have a word for it. You know what I mean? Uh, so I think that kind of thing, I'm actually, I, I, something that's on my list is I do want to see that new Nicolas Cage movie. Um, 
Color Out of Space, I think it's called. I've, I think I've heard, I've heard of it and I've heard that it's good. Yeah, I really enjoyed, I, I really would like to see that. Uh, I liked him in Mandy, so I think he's, like him in a bonkers horror movie seems like a good fit for him at this point in his career. Uh, in the last couple of years, though, I, I did enjoy, and I think this is along the same lines, uh, Hereditary um, and Midsummer. I didn't enjoy Midsummer as much as Hereditary, but it is still a great movie. I mean, that, that director is a special talent, and uh, those movies really upset me. Yeah, uh, he, I hope he has a good therapist. Yeah, I hope everything's okay with him. Um, <laughs> I hope he has a good sense of humor about this, but man, they, I mean, the, the visuals and the ideas and, you know, they're, they're really, they're really something else. Um, and it's weird cause I don't even like, I don't believe in ghosts or anything. I know a lot of people who believe in ghosts. I don't think any of that's true. So it's really hard to scare me with a ghost story, but hereditary uh, pulls it off. I mean, and I guess The Witch was a really good one, too, lately. Like, again, that's sort of like people trying to figure out what's coming after them. I think, like, that's that. If you can depict that well, like, like a decent person who's like, why is this happening? What's what? What can I do? Is there anything I can do? Um, depicting that well is 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 very difficult. And I think The Witch pulls it off really well. Yeah, I watched The Witch at the beginning of everything, at the beginning of quarantine, and I had to put the subtitles on. I would have had no idea what they were saying or what was going on had I not had the subtitles on. But it was interesting. I think I need to watch it again to get the full effect, but it was it was very interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ari Aster, who directed Midsommar and uh, Hereditary and those movies, he actually did an AMA on Reddit. I think when Midsummer was coming out and one of the first questions uh, was from someone just asking, are you okay? <laughs> it's a legit, I, I ask cause I care. So yeah, no, I, I, uh, yeah, I do hope he's okay. I mean, I, I mean, the fact that he did two horror movies that have a similar feel, but, but are so different. I mean, it just shows you like the potential that he has. I mean, I think I, I'd love to see what he does next. I think that's, it's great stuff. Yeah, I wonder how quarantine has affected him. Yeah, man, what is going to come out of this? I don't know. <laughs> I hope a lot yeah. of good art. Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> Do you think watching horror movies as a kid affected the person you are now? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's good to be scared. And, and, um, and I definitely think it, you know, in terms of like my own writing, I mean, I think it, horror movies help with raising the stakes, which is a difficult thing to do sometimes when you're putting together a story. I think some people forget to do that. Uh, you know, I think horror movies like help to really clarify like what a character wants and what's motivating them. So yeah, I think they, they played a big role in it. And, um, and yeah, when I meet people who, who didn't grow up watching horror movies, it really is fat. Like I, I've, I've recommended the mildest horror movies to people and they're like, nope, I'm not going anywhere near. What's a mild horror movie to you? Uh, well, you know, I, I have a friend who I work with. She's from Iowa, um, and um, she's very wholesome, and she doesn't watch our movies. So I recently recommended to her the movie Tremors. Okay. <laughs> what a gr – I mean, and now she loves the whole franchise. She ends up watching the whole – like, oh even, like, the straight-to-video. It's a weird franchise, isn't it? I've only seen the first one because it, it was ridiculous. It is ridiculous, but I, I watched it. I rewatched it recently and loved it. I think it's, I think it's a great idea and a lot of fun and like has some elements that are scary in the sense that like you could feel yourself there and like, you know, has some good action scenes and stuff like that. Um, so I feel like that was a good introduction for a person who, who I guess has said to themselves, I don't do any kind of horror. I think that's a good, like, uh, starter kit, shall we say. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I wonder what made her decide to want to watch a horror movie after saying she didn't like horror. Uh, I think I was in, I was trying to liven up a Zoom meeting. And so I shared with everyone the trailer for the movie. The trailer is great because it has that, that in a world guy doing it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, so I think it, it got some people in my group talking so i think that she ended up give you know taking the plunge as a result of that i was like all right i'm, I'm converted i love i love the tremors franchise now <laughs> oh well good job you created a new horror fan yeah yeah never too late right that's right um okay so i have some questions that have to do with your writing 
Yeah. As some people may or may not know who are listening to this, you are a novelist and you have had five novels published since 2015. Um, your first trilogy is very sci-fi with certain horror elements, I'd say. Would you agree? Yeah, it definitely has some horror elements because, um, yeah, it, it's it's putting into your mind the idea that something that you have controlled all of a sudden has turned on you and is coming to kill you. Uh, <laughs> I had quite a few people tell me that they were very upset at the suggestion that their dog would, the first thing that they would do, the dog would do if it became intelligent was kill them. Um, they're like, my dog wouldn't do that. Um, yeah, and, and weirdly enough, um, you know, my book has like an apocalyptic theme to it. Like, the, you know, the animals take over the world and, and you know, uh, they start killing everyone. And, um, but I had a lot of people write to me that, they were upset about a particular scene where some puppies drown. They were like, the puppies drowned, how could you do that? And I was like, you do realize I slaughtered like three billion people in this book, but you're worried about a, a handful of puppies. But apparently people really were upset by that. So, yeah, yes. so yes, it does have, have some horror elements, yes. Sorry, Definitely. That sounds like a typical horror fan, to be honest, because there's the website doesthedogdie.com where if you're watching a movie and there's a pet in it, you can go to doesthedogdie.com and find out if that dog dies or pet, okay. animal, anything. So ah. you're, maybe your book should be on it after they're turned into movies. Yes, yes, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> that would be so cool. I remember reading your first novel, Mort, um, in the trilogy, and it was so great, and it's not a genre that I generally gravitate towards. But it was so interesting. Uh, it's very dark. There, like as you've been talking about the plot, it's very dark. And where did the inspiration come from to write this trilogy? Did it start out as a trilogy? It did not start out as a trilogy. And really, the first image I had in my head was I had a dream one night um, about a flying saucer that was o over my neighborhood where I grew up, and somehow it was using some power to make the animals walk upright and start hunting humans. And I really liked the idea, especially because the cat that I grew up with uh, kind of had delusions of grandeur. I think he thought he was a dog and he acted like a guard dog. Um, but I would think the, I thought about it for a few months and I, I just the, the idea of aliens coming here just to mess with our animals seemed strange. So I needed to come up with a better villain. And the villain I ended up coming up with was this queen of the ants. Uh, I thought that that made sense. Like, her being motivated to wipe, wipe out humans made some sense. You know, humans have often tried to exterminate different species of insects. So it made sense that the, the ant queen is somehow controlling all the animals. Uh, so once I had that villain in place, and then once I had the hero in place, which was, you know, I based the main character off of my cat, um, then I thought I had something going. And my cat uh, had a dog girlfriend. I mean, there were, we have pictures of the cat and the dog like cuddling with each other. They liked each other. So I thought the idea of like this cat who specializes in killing humans during the war, but also has a soft spot for this dog that he wants to find one day who's presumed killed in the war. Uh, I thought that was a good through line for this. Um, I had ideas for kind of offshoots of the book, but I ended up, um, it wasn't until later in the process that I ended up actually formulating a sequel. Um, but there's, you know, because it takes place all around the world, you know, there were just many stories to tell, you know, what happened with the animals in the ocean, what happened with different uh, wild animals like the wolves. I mean, that's, those are the questions that the other uh, books try to answer. Yeah, I will admit that I have not read those yet. I need to read those, but um, I really did enjoy the first one. So, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, everyone here should go buy the books. So have you ever been a fan of any horror authors like Stephen King, Mary Shelley, et cetera? Yeah, uh, I read a lot of Stephen King, uh, and really, like, uh, the, the Dark Tower books, which aren't really horror, but have a lot of horror elements. Um, I remember when I was, like, 16, there was a really bad blizzard in Pennsylvania, and I was basically stuck inside for, like, almost a week. That's how bad this one blizzard was. And during that time, I read uh, one of the Dark Tower books and really was so immersed in it that I wasn't even living like a normal human life for a few days. I was just sort of like, you know, in a daze reading it. I was just so intense about it. And, and that got me reading a bunch of these Stephen King books. Um, 
I've, I haven't read a Stephen King book lately though. It's been, it's been probably like at least 15 years since I've read one. Um, and I think the last ones I read were the last Dark Tower books. Hmm. So, um, but the, yeah, the other ones I read, I remember reading, um, there was an author named Robert McCammon. Uh, he has a book called Swan Song, which is actually a lot like uh, The Stand by Stephen King. Uh, really a fun book, like a big epic thick, like paperback that I read. Uh, I remember enjoying that a lot. Um, I didn't read Frankenstein or, I didn't read Frankenstein until well into my 20s, but I remember loving it. I mean, I, and I've, I've read it again since then. Uh, it's, it, it really lives up to the, uh, to the hype. And it's funny because it, it just gets kind of lazily lumped in with Dracula, but I think it is, Frankenstein is the far superior work there. All right, uh, so. In my opinion. Yeah, all right, so if there's ever a battle between Frankenstein and Dracula, you're going with Frankenstein? I, I am, I am. I mean, they're both, I mean, Dracula has some cool moments, um, but I just think the difference is that there's real nuance with the monster in Frankenstein, whereas Dracula is just evil, and that's, you know, evil full stop. Um, and as, and even though it's a maligned movie for maybe for some good reasons that, you know, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the, the Francis Ford Coppola movie, at least tries to have some, um, nuance there and tries to explain, you know, why he, why Dracula became what he is and, and like what he still wants. Um, so it, I felt like that was a noble effort to try to like add some complexity to what is a pretty simple story of just an evil guy that needs to be stopped. Yeah. You know? Hmm. I'll have to go check out that version of Dracula. Yeah. Well, you know, it has Keanu Reeves in it. You probably heard that. No, I have not heard that. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Brams, yeah. The, the Francis Ford Coppola one tried to cash in on young Keanu Reeves and <laughs> a lot of people weren't down with it. Cause I think he's trying to do a British accent. It's, Oh yeah. Wasn't, it wasn't the best casting decision, mm -hmm. but I love Keanu, but it's maybe that's not his best movie. All right. Um, I did just recently watch for the first time interview with a vampire. Yes, I've seen it. Yeah, that was, that was a movie. I sat down to watch it while I was eating dinner. So they were eating rats and sucking human's blood. And I was like, this was not the best choice. But <laughs> I got through it and I was like, is this why everyone thinks Tom Cruise is gay? <laughs> um, you know what the scariest part of that movie is for me is when they, they take Brad Pitt and they lock him in a, in a coffin and bury him. <laughs> like that to me is the scary, like, like the other stuff is like, yeah, yeah, Dracula's doing, or, or sorry, vampires doing vampire things. But like that, I was like, oh my God, I just saw this one. Um, it's on Netflix, The Old Guard. Oh, I haven't heard of it. No. It, it involves like a race of like immortal people. But okay. the thing that they live in abject terror of is getting caught and then being placed in a situation like that where they're locked in a coffin or something and they can't get out because that would be a fate far worse than death, you know? Yeah. So uh, I remember being very upset by that. And like when they let him out in the, in, in the interview with the vampire, I was like so relieved. I was like, oh God, oh God, that's terrible. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever seen that movie? Uh, what is it called? 29 hours of the, the hiker who gets caught with his arm and cuts his arm off? You know, it's funny. I, uh, that is one of the things that I, I just will not, I don't think I'll ever see that movie. I, I've had it summarized for me and that's enough. Why? Uh, I just, I, I mean, he chops his own arm off. I don't need to, I don't, I don't think I can, uh, I don't know. Do you, you're telling me I should watch it? Um, no, I'm not telling you you should watch it. It was fine. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, also the movie that comes to mind with this part of our discussion is um, with Ryan Reynolds in 2010. No, uh, I have not seen that one. The story is about Iraq-based American civilian truck driver Paul Conroy, who, after being attacked, finds himself buried alive in a wooden coffin with only a lighter, flask, flashlight, knife, glow sticks, pen, pencil, and mobile phone. Uh, well, you have a chance with that stuff, at least. Yeah. Yeah, there was a Wes Craven movie from the 80s called uh, The Serpent and the Rainbow. I think it's Wes Craven. And in that movie, these, like, voodoo... Uh, priests they 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 poison you and you go into a catatonic state for like a week and by the time you wake up you're buried oh jesus so it's it's a really scary <laughs> it's a scary movie yeah that doesn't 
That doesn't sound fun. And yes, it was Wes Craven. I just looked uh, <laughs> Yes. And yeah, that's one of those movies that I think I wasn't supposed to watch, but snuck in there when with the older kids. So Let's see. You have two other novels, Spark in the League of Ursus and Leap High Yahoo. Do either of these have sci-fi or horror elements in them? Yeah, so Spark has a monster attacking a children's room. Uh, and I mean, even though the 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 main character fighting them is a teddy bear, so I feel like it's still grounded in like a silly uh, kind of realm. But I weirdly, I was still asked to like tone down some of the monster elements just because it was a little too much. But, you know, the, the monster that attacks them is sort of like a half man, half like scorpion kind of character it's it's a very uh creepy thing um so i, I was really proud of that creation <laughs> um Hai yahoo is a novella and it's not i think that's more like straight like science fiction i mean that it takes place in like a uh dystopian america which i suppose is not as science fiction as it used to be um <laughs> but it's about a guy working for a this corporation that has kind of like taken over the day-to-day -day functions of the United States. And he gets set on a very bizarre mission in a bombed out city. Uh, he's trying to find the prize, the, the, the like prized racehorse of, of like some corporate overlord. So he's chasing this horse through a, an abandoned city and soon finds out he's not alone. So, <laughs> so yeah, there, there's some, you know, he, when he, I guess there's some horror elements there because he's trying to figure out who might be watching him while he's doing this. Yeah, uh, but I can't really. I'd be stretching the definition of horror a little too far by saying it, this is a horror story. All right, that's fair. Um, I know you just handed in uh, a draft of your next novel. Can you tell us anything about it? Is it horror related, sci-fi related? So that uh, what I just handed in was the sequel to the Spark book. So it's another uh, round of teddy bears versus monsters. So and yeah, once again, my editor who just has way more experience with middle grade stories. You know, she had, she went through and was like, okay, you can't have that. That's too scary. That's too disturbing. No, you can't have that. So there's a lot of that. And we, you know, we end up communicating through the margin notes. So I know at least one time I just wrote, you're no fun. <laughs> Does she ever just email you what is wrong with you? <laughs> she has not done that, which I, but she, she's welcome to. And we've, we've <laughs> joked about our different tastes, yeah. but. But yeah, there have been a few times where I've been like, look, are you telling me that this particular image I want to put in there, that's just, you just don't do that in a, in a book for nine to 12 year olds. And she's like, yes, that's what I'm telling you. I'm like, all right, I'll trust your judgment. You're the, you're the professional. So. Did you ever read the Goosebumps books when you were growing up or are those after your time? I feel like they were after my time. I think by the, by the time I heard of them, I was like, quote unquote, too cool for those. Yeah. So. Okay. yeah, that's valid. But I kind of, I'm a little jealous because I feel like, people who are just like five or six years younger than I am that really, they love talking about that. And I actually watched an episode, I believe of the old Goosebumps show, I think with, oh God, what's the actor's name? Um, uh, the actor from Drive, good looking guy. Oh God. Ryan Gosling? Yes. I believe Ryan Gosling is in an episode of uh, Goosebumps, like a very silly episode. Well, they're all, they're all a little silly, I guess. Yeah. I could be wrong about that, but I, I thought it was him. So do you think you'll ever write a novel that's strictly horror? Uh, I don't have one on the horizon, but I'm definitely open to it. Um, I think the next few books I'm working on, like I already kind of have them like thought out in some ways and they're not going to be in that genre. Mm -hmm. um, but I am, uh, I am open to it. And I, I think it would probably be... I mean, if I wrote something in horror, it would probably be mostly grounded in the real world. Like, I don't, I don't see myself writing a ghost story. Like I said, I don't, I mean, I don't find them terribly scary and I don't, so therefore I don't know how I could make them scary. So I think most of the horror elements I would probably end up writing would be like humans doing bad things to other humans, as opposed mm -hmm. to monsters or ghosts or demons or whatever. Wait, so there's uh, killer teddy bears in Spark in the League of Versus, right? Well, uh, the teddy bears are mostly good, but there are some bad teddy bears. So, okay. so were you at all influenced or inspired by Puka? <laughs> uh, not for this, but um, <laughs> I, you know, I guess I'm still grappling with how, with the effect Puka has had on me. 
Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's one of those, it's kind of a tired trope, I have to say, but I think it, Puka does it well, where it's, it's just the, perpetually asking the questions like, is the protagonist going crazy? Yeah. Um, I think very often that's a very lazy thing these days, but, but when it's done well, it's, it's, uh, I have to uh, acknowledge it. Yeah. Um, I think I would have trouble pulling it off because I feel like I, I like want to be really clear and upfront with my, with my reader. So yeah. I just, I just never developed that skill of like having the unreliable narrator. Oh. But the people who are good at it, you know, that's, it's a really interesting skill to have. You can really do some cool things with it. Um, an article was published a few weeks or a couple months ago that said that horror fans were having an easier time in lockdown. Would you tend to agree? And how has your experience been in New York City? Uh, I would agree. I mean, I think, I mean, maybe it's, it has to, there's some kind of stoicism that goes with it because you're, 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 you're imagining the worst case scenario. And then when the worst case scenario, scenario doesn't materialize, you say, oh, look how lucky I am. Uh, so maybe it does foster that kind of like stoicism. And, and certainly you'd have to think it fosters some, at least a sense of humor about what's going on. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not that surprised to hear that. Uh, as far as myself, look, I'm really lucky. I, I'm still working. I've been very busy with uh, the book edits and things. So I, I have an activity that doesn't require me to go outside or, uh, you know, that I can just do at home and constantly be doing. Uh, you know, I've been healthy. I've been checking on people. Uh, my roommate has not driven me crazy. I don't think I've driven him crazy. Um, so I'm, I've been really lucky during this whole thing. Um, almost to the point where I feel a little guilty about it. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. Um, and I'm hunkered down and I've, I've like, I've had some situations in my life where I've been a little isolated. So I feel like I have some practice for this, you know, like I've lived overseas and was, you know, cut off from people I knew for a little bit. So I, I, I just, I have some, some experience that's helping me with this. Uh, but you know, like everybody else, I'm ready for it to be over. I'm ready to have a drink at a bar again. Um, do you remember what the last horror movie was that you saw in theaters before, uh, lockdown began? I believe it was either The Guest, which is, uh, actually a movie that came out in like 2014. Yeah. Uh, but it was showing at, uh, I believe Alamo Draft House. Mm. So it was either The Guest or, uh, it may have been Underwater with, um, Kristen Stewart. Yeah. It was one or the other. I forget, you know, uh, but yeah, that, those were right before the, the quarantine. And, and I enjoyed both a lot. Uh, uh, the guest I watched on Netflix recently, and I was like, there is no way this guy knew that guy and told him that he would take care of his family. He is lying. <laughs> Good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It turned out he was not as wholesome as he tried to present himself. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. What a, what a fun bonkers movie that is. <sighs> and the uh, the woman who's in it, and again, sorry for forgetting people's names, but uh, the blonde woman who, who's in it, she's also in It Follows. And apparently, I guess this is like her thing now. Uh, <laughs> she's just really believable in these kinds of horror movies. Yeah, she's great. Um, but yeah, Underwater is really good too, even though there's so many elements of it that are taken from like Alien. Um, but I didn't care because it was just a blast. <laughs> See, I did not really enjoy Underwater. I don't know why. I was just so bored with it. I don't know, maybe because I had seen Alien for the first time recently. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I guess I enjoyed seeing some of the deaths coming. It's just like, you know, they're, they have to go through some tunnel and they can only go one at a time. It's like, okay, one, no way. No way you're all surviving this. Yeah, I you mean, know. I did really enjoy T.J. Miller being T.J. Miller. Yeah, that actually worked, didn't it? I, I you know, I kind of rolled my eyes when I saw that he's in it, but it, it kind of, uh, that, that character that they wrote for him kind of worked. You know? Yeah. Uh, the woman's name that you're thinking about is uh, uh, Micah Monroe, I believe. Micah Monroe, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, she's great. I haven't seen It Follows since I saw it. I believe I saw it in theaters when it came out. That was, that was an interesting movie. So you have a thing for, you don't mind isolation and you've seen a lot of horror movies that have to do with isolation. I am going tomorrow to the Catskills for five days in a place where it's like a good 40 minutes to anywhere. So I'm going to be kind of isolated. What, what movie would you suggest I watch beforehand so I can really freak myself out? Well, we already mentioned the thing. I suppose another John Carpenter movie to consider just because it, 
it involves, it's not exactly about isolation, but it is people who are trapped um, would be the fog. You ever seen? I haven't seen the fog. I've heard a lot about it though. Yeah, it's a fun movie. I don't think it's as scary as Halloween or, um, or the thing, but it does have some cool visuals. And, um, you know, it's, it's characters who are, yeah, they, they really can't run away. They just have to like survive. Yeah, that might be a good one. And I know it was remade, but I, I heard the remake is not that good. Okay, I'll look for the original one then. So, so far this year, because of the pandemic, A Quiet Place 2, Candyman, The Conjuring 3, Halloween Kills have all been delayed, postponed indefinitely until next year. What is your feeling on going back to a movie theater right now if they reopened in New York City? And is there anything you would brave COVID to go see or the the risk of COVID? Yeah, I've been one of those nerds who's been pretty well behaved this whole time. Um, so I don't think I'm ready to go to a theater just yet, even, even for something I've been wanting to see for a while. So I, I think you won't see me at a theater anytime soon. Unless, like, it's a theater that has gone above and beyond somehow. Like, they've installed a new ventilation system. They only have, like, you know, a dozen seats in a theater that originally held, like, 100 people. Uh, I would probably be wearing a full N95 with goggles and, and rubber gloves. Uh, so, I mean, it would be a, a weird experience for me. I think the movies that I really want to see probably are not in the horror genre. Um, you know, like... I, I just saw the trailer for the new Dune movie and I'm kind of like, okay, I'm sold. I might see that. Um, and I saw a trailer for the new Batman movie and I'm kind of like, all right, they're probably going to get my money for that too, even though we don't really need another Batman. Yeah, I guess of the ones you listed, the one that I'm most intrigued about is uh, Candyman. I think that the trailer they had for that looked really creative. It looks like they've invested some great talent into it. And, yeah, and, and it's just, this is the right movie to remake. You know, I think so often we end up re remaking movies that were already great. I think the original Candyman is really good, but I think it's due for an update, especially just for the times we're in. So I think that was a that was a good candidate for a remake. So it just seems like, and it just seems like, you know, it's the producer is Jordan Peele. So yes. he's just, you know, he's been batting a thousand lately. Yeah. So I just feel like, yeah, that that's the one I'm I'm most looking forward to. I like the last Halloween movie. I don't know where they, I almost felt like that would have been a good ending for it, but they're going to keep it going and they have Jamie Lee Curtis. Who am I to object? Yeah. Did um, you see the teaser trailer that came out for Halloween Kills? Uh, I, no, I did not. I will look that up. I'll send, I'll send that to you after. It's like quick, it's one minute and it's just like, oh, I wish I could see the whole trailer now. But you kind of find out how they keep it going through that. Ah, okay. Okay, so I just have a couple more questions. What is your favorite horror movie that no one else really seems to like? Ooh, um, I'm not really sure if I have one. I mean, there are definitely movies that are underappreciated, like The Fog. You know, I don't know if my knowledge of horror movies is, is that advanced where I would have seen something that I have now, I appreciate and nobody else, uh, you know, people have missed out on. So yeah, I would just say for those people out there, Catch up on the fog. Maybe uh, a movie like From Beyond is worth revisiting as well, if you mm -hmm. haven't seen it. It's creepy though and, and very disturbing. Yeah, all right, I'll leave it at that. So my last question is, if you could remake one horror movie, which would it be and why? I think a good candidate might be uh, Arachnophobia. Uh, I, th I saw that in a drive-in in 1990. I guess it would be 30 years ago last month I saw it. Wow. And I just feel like that's the movie that would benefit from just some modern special effects and modern sensibilities, number one. And number two, it might benefit from making, maybe it could be a commentary on like environmental uh, issues. Mm. Seems to me that, you know, trifling with nature and then like nature coming to bite you in the ass. I mean, I think that could be, that could be part of an updated version. Now, the original, I think, is just a simple case of they bring some spiders back from South America and they start killing people. Yeah. But... You know, I think that a modern version, it, it would be remiss to, to, to not talk about environmental impact and how that affects, you know, insects and other fauna. I think that might be a good example. That's such a good answer. Yeah. No, that's such a good idea, too. I've been asking that to everyone. And I think that and one of my friends said uh, he would remake Rear Window for COVID times because everyone's been stuck in their apartment and looking out their windows all the time. Yeah. So that was really interesting, too. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. I like that one. Okay, so that's it. Thank you so much for being here. Um, tell everyone where they can find you and where they can buy your books. Okay, I'm pretty easy to find on the internet. I'm uh, 
I think it's robertrapino.com. Um, and uh, yeah, my books, they're the War With No Name and, uh, and uh, the Spark books are, you can find them very easily. They are on Amazon, but you could go to the publisher's site as well. Soho Press for War With No Name and Quirk for, for the Spark books. And uh, I should mention, I, I did finally publish a short story that is a straight horror movie, a horror uh, story. Uh, it, and it's a commentary on the troubled times we live in. And it's called, it has the very unsubtle title of Post-Truth. Okay. It's kind of like a children of the corn kind of story. Oh, okay. Um, if that's yeah. your jam. Yeah. You'll get, um, where can we find it? That is in a magazine called Grotesque Quarterly. Okay. Uh, great, great title for a magazine. And they <laughs> even, what was cool was they even put um, some artwork related to the story on their cover. So if you Google that, it should be pretty easy to find, um, uh, might be of interest. It's like a, maybe a 5,000 word story. So oh it's a substantial short story. It's not, it's, uh, but that's my, technically my first straight horror story, not just a one with um, horror elements, shall we say. Yeah, I think you can find links to all that on the website, robertrapino.com. And I'm on Twitter at rapino1. Usually griping about some political thing or sharing some uh, pop culture minutiae from the 1980s or 90s. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to get together soon to watch The Thing and Puka Lives. All right. I, uh, thanks so much for having me and uh, yeah, take care. Talk soon. Bye. That's it for this week's episode of Who's There. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Rob, and thanks again to Rob for coming on. You should definitely check out all of his books, all of which will be linked in the show notes, and his short story is also linked, as well as his website. As always, we'd really appreciate it if you could take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our feed wherever you listen to our podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Who's There Pod. We're on Instagram at Who's There Podcast, or you can feel free to shoot us an email at the Who's There Pod at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, concerns, horror movie recommendations, or you'd like to be a guest. Until next time, stay scary and wear a mask.